On a night where De'Aaron Fox and Shea Gilgis-Alexander went toe-to-toe with 40-point performances, it's a two-way player that steals the show. I hereby declare December 14th, 2023's Kings win over the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Keon Ellis game. And we're showing the guard love right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. And there are so many ways that I could start this podcast. But the only way that feels right, despite De'Aaron Fox going for 40, Shea Gilgis-Alexander going for 43. DeMontis Sabonis putting up a massive stat line. Malik Monk doing his thing off the bench, something that no other six-man-of-the-year candidate is doing. We're talking about Keon Ellis. That's right, the Keon Ellis game where a two-way player stepped onto the floor and not only had the assignment of guarding Shea Gilgis-Alexander, but also went crazy from three-point range. A career-high 17 points for Keon, five of seven from three-point range, six rebounds, three assists, one steal, and he even blocked Shea Gilgis-Alexander with a dunk attempt at the rim in the first half. How much fun, how much fun is was this game from Keon? And I don't say this as a shot at Davion Mitchell, but this is why Keon has stolen Davion's job. And again, I I, I don't mean that to be a focus on Davion. We're not going to talk about Davion any further than that because tonight is about Keon. Tonight is about what he has accomplished, a player who has stayed ready, who has made the most of his opportunity and in just his second year in the league while on his second two-way contract has carved himself out a a consistent rotational spot to where it is only a matter of time before the Kings turn that two-way contract into a full NBA contract. Keon is providing so much of what this Sac Kings team has needed out of their backup guard position. He's providing the defensive effort and intensity that Mike Brown has been asking for. And Mike Brown's trust in Keon is on full display for everybody to see, right? Not only is Keon getting more and more minutes, including minutes like tonight where he's on the floor at the end of a close game. The Oklahoma City Thunder would not go away, even with the Kings building like a 12 or 13 point lead uh, early on in the fourth quarter. The Thunder did not go away. And Keon Ellis is the guy that's out there over Kevin Herter and even at times over Harrison Barnes. Mike Brown rolling with Keon, with Malik, and with De'Aaron. A three-guard lineup to close this game out. Not only is Mike trusting Keon with those important minutes, he's having Keon come into the game and he's sticking him on typically the best guards that the opposing team has to offer. And this is not something that started tonight with Keon guarding Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And yes, you're probably going to look at Shea's stat line, the 43 points that he scored, and go, 
okay, did Keon really do a good job? Did De'Aaron, who spent time guarding Shea Gilgis-Alexander, did he do a good job? Did Keegan, who spent some time guarding Shea Gilgis-Alexander, did he do a good job? Did the Kings defensively, can they say they did a good job at all against SGA, who goes for 43 points? Yes, they can. And certainly, Keon can. Because Keon made SGA work. Had some big moments where he beat SGA in certain uh, situations. How much should we expect from a two-way player taking on one of the best guards and an all-NBA player, right? Keon did his job. He made SGA's life as difficult as he possibly could, all while making a major impact for Sacramento with his perimeter shooting on the offensive side. Keon's journey is just awesome. Like, think about his journey. He's not drafted. He goes undrafted, and he chooses to sign with the Sacramento Kings, right? It was a smart decision because the Kings have been in need of someone of his position, a two-way guard slash wing, someone who can space the floor on offense and who can lock down and help with a, 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 a team that has struggled with their perimeter defense for years, maybe even decades at this point, right? So Keon gambled on the situation. He spends a year bouncing between Stockton and Sacramento last year, really only getting garbage time minutes with Sacramento, but practicing with the main roster as much as possible, and then goes into the G League, doesn't complain about playing in the G League, shoots 40% from three-point uh, three land in the G League, not as the main guy of that G League roster. It was all about Namias Keda and, and other players on that G League roster in Stockton, and yet he made his impact comes into this season, is offered another two-way contract, starts the season not a part of the rotation at all, comes into the game at the end of a Houston Rockets beatdown where the Kings have been embarrassed and nobody's really paying attention to the game other than to complain and, and, and be upset, at least from a Kings fan uh, uh, situation or perspective. And Keon comes in, he makes the most of those garbage time minutes, impresses Mike Brown enough to where he gets an opportunity when the Kings return home for their homestand. He gets an opportunity to play and replace Davion Mitchell, who's been struggling while De'Aaron Fox is still out. He takes that opportunity, makes the absolute most of it, helps the Sacramento Kings start what became a six-game win streak, gets hurt, loses his job to Davion Mitchell again because he was injured, comes back, and within a game or two, takes that spot back from Davion, and now here he is guarding some of the best guards in the league on a nightly basis, playing important minutes, having a breakout game like tonight to help the Kings defeat the Thunder for the second time already this season. What a freaking awesome story. Making the most of your opportunity, busting your ass, working hard, keeping a great attitude, and Keon has been a phenomenal person to interact with, to talk to, has had a great head on his shoulders, has been a sponge, soaking up as much as he can from King's coaches and from uh, his teammates. He's been in there in practice, having to guard De'Aaron and guard Malik and guard Davion day in and day out and learn the hard way by trying to handle those guys, and it's sharpened him, it's made him better, so that as a two-way player, if you get only one opportunity in the NBA, you have to make the most of it. And here Keon is not only making the most of that opportunity, he's knocking that opportunity out of the freaking park. Congratulations, Keon. 
I have no idea how the rest of this season is going to go for him. I have no idea how the rest of his career is going to go. But tonight, to me, was Keon's arrival moment in the NBA. Keon proved tonight, and he's already proved a little bit until tonight, but he truly established himself tonight as an NBA caliber player. A player who is capable and belongs in rotational conversations wherever he ends up. And to ask that, or to rather get that out of an undrafted free agent, is a humongous win for the Sacramento Kings. A humongous win that they found Keon Ellis, that he's put in the work that he's put in, that Mike Brown and this coaching staff have been able to get this much out of him. Celebrate Keon Ellis tonight. Celebrate him, not just for how he helped the Kings win this game, but celebrate him for the, the, the player that he is, for the, the work that he's put in. The work isn't done. He Just because he arrived tonight doesn't mean that he's made it for the rest of his career, right? The work continues, and this is just another game for him, and it's back to work tomorrow. But for tonight, Keon Ellis can hold his head high after showing the world, showing a Sacramento fan base inside of a raucous Golden 1 Center, showing Shea Gilgis-Alexander and one of the best teams in the West in the Oklahoma City Thunder that he is an NBA-caliber player. What an awesome game for Keon. But really, the Kings guards shine tonight. Minus Kevin Herter, had a bit of a rough night again, but also Kevin kind of took a step aside so that Keon could shine, and, and Keon took a lot of Kevin's minutes. Kevin's in a bit of a slump right now. I'm going to talk about Kevin from a different perspective that might piss some of you off, but I'll get to that at the end of the podcast. But, of course, Keon is shining with 17 points. And then you have what De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk did. Let's start with De'Aaron Fox. 41 points. 5 of 11 from three-point range. I've said it a million times already on this podcast this year, but I'll continue to celebrate when De'Aaron Fox is having games where he's shooting over 40% from three-point range. He's a constant threat from beyond the perimeter. One of his threes, he pulled up, I think it was the end of the third quarter, he pulled up with a hand in his face absolutely smothered from well beyond the three-point line and just drains a, a, a three with like .3 or .4 seconds left in the third quarter to help the Kings bring some momentum into the fourth quarter. Just an awesome shot from him. He looks fantastic as a three-point shooter. On top of that, seven assists, two steals. He did turn the ball over six times. What do I want to talk about with, with, with De'Aaron Fox? Well, number one, this is his, his third 40-plus point game this season. Do I need to really make, continue to make his case for being in the MVP conversation? Do I need to? He might not win it. He might not be in first place. I'm sure there are other guys like Nikola Jokic or Luka Doncic or Joel Embiid or whoever you want to put ahead of him. That's fine. If you want to, I don't necessarily blame you. But De'Aaron is... He's established himself amongst the elite of the uh, elite in the NBA. He goes toe to toe with Shea Gilgis Alexander, who was an All NBA player last season. I think he was All NBA first team, if I'm not mistaken. A player that many believe is better than De'Aaron Fox, even though they're the exact same age and, and very similar timelines. They go toe to toe. Now Shea outscored De'Aaron, but De'Aaron led the Sacramento Kings to a victory. I don't blame Shea. For OKC losing, right? He could have had more help than what he got. Josh Giddy did all that he could, even though he's being booed relentlessly every time he touched the ball tonight from Sacramento Kings fans for obvious reasons. And if you don't know those reasons, just look it up. We don't have to spend time here on the podcast talking about Josh Giddy being booed and why he's being booed. 
But you have De'Aaron, who is continuing to, when he needs to step up and shine and lead, and when he's going toe-to-toe against one of his rivals and someone who you could put up against him in his position in the Western Conference as a better player or a better point guard or whatever, he goes toe-to-toe with him, and ultimately, where is he? On the winning team. De'Aaron Fox, magnificent tonight. Fox is absolutely a superstar. He has arrived. He is a superstar. And everybody is starting to take notice of that or has accepted that, except for NBA officials, apparently. And I don't need to uh, I mean to spend too much time after a, a Kings 128-123 to win complaining, but look at how Shea Gilgis-Alexander gets calls versus how De'Aaron Fox get, gets calls. I typically try to avoid talking about officiating as much as I possibly can because it's, it's overused and... and, and, and over-discussed by all podcast hosts and all fan bases. Everybody thinks that that officials are against them, right? I didn't think this officiating crew tonight was particularly good. They certainly weren't making any friends here in the Golden 1 Center. They were pissing off De'Aaron Fox, who did not feel like he was getting called fairly on his side compared to Shea and how the Thunder were being called on the other side. Did pick up a technical foul at one point in the fourth quarter when things seemed to be unraveling a little bit. But... De'Aaron Fox does not get the foul calls that he deserves. Does not get, and it's 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 drastically apparent. He is on the same level as SGA. He is same player, same type of player, same age, same timeline. He and SGA are basically pick who you want. The Thunder are always going to pick SGA. The Sacramento Kings should always pick De'Aaron Fox. But they are that close and that even. And yet, when you watch them play head-to-head tonight, officiating for one is not the same as the other. De'Aaron Fox went to the line 11 times tonight. He shot 8 of 11 from the free throw line. A lot of those free throws came in garbage time in the fourth quarter when the, the Thunder were playing the foul game. Shea Gilgis-Alexander got to the free throw line 18 times. He was 16 of 18 from the free throw line. I think he went to the free throw line like 10 or more times in the first half alone. Was getting every call that he wanted. While De'Aaron Fox was getting beat up so bad that his shoulder, it looked like his right shoulder was bothering him for a while. Uh, James Hamm asked him about it after the game, and he said that he was fine and, and just got beat up a little bit, and he shrugged it off. So De'Aaron's cool, or he's playing through the pain as we know he is. But I thought it was pretty apparent the difference in officiating for SGA than for De'Aaron Fox tonight. Also, we got to talk about Malik Monk, man. 18 points, 4 of 8 from 3-point range. He had, and I posted it on Twitter, go and check it out, at Matt George Sack on Twitter, just a filthy dribble move leading to a step-back 3 that he drained in the second quarter, and I slowed it down for you because it's just filthy. I mean, I've already talked about the, the 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 fun chaos that is Malik Monk and how he's so unique and so creative and such a flair and flashy fun player. And, I mean, he just continues to absolutely shine. And not only is it scoring the basketball, here he is again with nine assists off of the bench. We've talked about this recently. Mike Brown has talked about it and lobbied for it. But here we are again. I do not understand how he is not at the top of everybody's list right now for sixth man of the year. I get maybe Austin Reeves is scoring more points. I think there's four other players who have more total points off of the bench than Malik Monk does. And if you just want to give it to scoring and scoring alone, have at it. I would argue, and I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm going to do a deep dive on this in a future episode of Locked on Kings. You combine the points that the Kings are getting off of his assists in addition to the points that he is scoring, plus the impact that he directly has on winning as a six-man versus just putting up points coming in off the bench. Malik Monk is in a league of his own. 
Malik is doing what no other six-man-of-the-year candidate is doing. Credit to Reeves, credit to Quickly, Tim Hardaway Jr., whoever you want to put above him, that's fine. You can make a case for all of them, and it's certainly not his award to win or lose in mid-December with so much season left. But if you are not putting Malik Monk at the top or at least amongst the top candidates for that award at this point in time, you are not watching what Malik is doing. He has been sensational as a scorer. He's shooting lights out, especially as a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. When his feet are set, that ball is going in every damn time, it feels like. And on top of that, he is distributing and seeing the floor better than anybody on this Kings team right now. And I would put him up against some of the top point guards in the league right now with how he is seeing and uh, how he's seeing the floor, his floor, uh, his distri- distribution, and him leading a team offensively. He has been sensational this year. Shout out to the Sacramento Kings guards tonight. Keon, De'Aaron, Malik, take a freaking bow as the Kings beat the Oklahoma City Thunder once again and win their 14th game of the season. Oh, I'm not done singing the Kings' praises. I haven't even talked about DeMontis Sabonis yet, and I'm going to get to him in a second. But right now, our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy picks of the week. Five players as always. Isaiah Hartenstein, Dante Exum, Keontae George, Asar Thompson, and Jonathan Kaminga. Now, I'm going to talk about one of these guys, and I don't know if it's going to make you guys too happy talking about a Golden State Warrior, but Jonathan Kaminga is one of those sneaky players that can be the difference in you winning and losing a week, and can also just come out of nowhere and put up big numbers for you at any time. He is a bit of a left field pick, according to Josh Lloyd, but Kaminga has jumped up in the last couple of games, and the Warriors are floundering right now. They're trying to figure out what's going on. Klay Thompson has been inconsistent. Of course, Draymond Green is gone for the foreseeable future with his indefinite suspension. Steph Curry's doing his thing, but he needs some help, and Andrew Wiggins has been really bad so far this season. So the door or the window or whatever you want to say is wide open for Kaminga right now to make a name for himself, and he has tremendous upside, is more than capable of having big games and helping you uh, Uh, win your fantasy week. His minutes are going up at the moment, so take advantage of that. He can be a sneaky addition to your team uh, that uh, not a lot of uh, your your, your friends or foes uh, will clock. Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit, and it's the same thing with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, You can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or you get your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not burning cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a DeMontis Sabonis appreciation session. Because here Sabonis is again with a monster stat line on a night where all the attention is going to the guards. And rightfully so. I'm not saying that Fox is stealing Sabonis' thunder. I'm not saying that Keon Ellis 
or uh, Malik Monk are stealing his thunder. But this, once again, is who Sabonis is. If Sabonis is putting up big numbers by doing the dirty work, having a solid offensive night with his scoring, and being the, the foundation that allows for other players to thrive and succeed and get the attention for it, it's like an offensive line or a defensive line. Mainly an offensive line, right? If, to put this in football standards. Like, we don't ever talk about offensive linemen, really, unless a quarterback is getting sacked and is getting blitzed and, and, and is constantly under pressure and the line is not doing their job. A, a good line is usually never talked about because... They're doing their job, and all attention is on the quarterback to do his job and, and steal all the thunder. I'm not saying DeMontis Sabonis is the offensive line of this team because he gets a little more attention than what an offensive lineman on average gets, and rightfully so. He's coming off of an all-star appearance and an all-NBA uh, nod, which he deserved for sure. But Sabonis, 18 points, 8 of 13 from the field, 16 rebounds, 17 assists. DeMontis Sabonis is holding it down, doing his job, so that Fox and Keon and Monk and even Keegan can soar, can fly, and can shine. Demontis Sabonis is truly one of a kind. Like, he plays in a way to where he gets credit and the numbers reflect how good he is. He's second in the NBA in double-doubles. Once again, only behind Nikola Jokic. But... The reason why DeMontis Sabonis is not talked about as the star center that he is, unlike Jokic or Joel Embiid or even to some extent Bam Adebayo, is because one, he's not flashy, and two, he doesn't just try to get his. Now, I'm not saying Domas can dominate as much as Jokic or Embiid can, especially as scores. Like, when those two guys want to score, they will go and freaking score. And Sabonis sometimes can do that, but not always, right? And sometimes you'd like to see him step up and, and, and provide a little more scoring, especially on nights like uh, the, the, the Tuesday night game when De'Aaron Fox wasn't playing too well, right? So understand what I'm saying here. I'm not saying Sabonis is on Embiid or Jokic's level. But Sabonis, naturally, his job... And, and when he's at his best is as a passive support star, if that's a real thing. It's like a patented thing for DeMontis Sabonis. And here he is, once again, putting up massive numbers, doing what he does, flirting with triple doubles so that his teammates can thrive and get the attention. And what I love about tonight from Sabonis is that he's taking on and matching up the favorite to win Rookie of the Year right now, Chet Holmgren, has been excellent so far this season. Absolutely beating out Victor Wimbanyama in my mind. Not just because he's on a, a winning team and Wimbanyama's on a Spurs team that I think has lost 18 straight now, but because Chet's like he's, I mean, he's putting up fantastic numbers. He and he and the Thunder have been a force to been uh, to be reckoned with. But in the two games that the Kings have played the Thunder. Sabonis has been instrumental in the Kings being 2-0 against the Thunder because he is dominating that matchup. Tonight, Chet Holmgren had a decent game. 14 points, 6 of 12 from the field, 10 rebounds. Couldn't hang a hat to what Sabonis did, and the eye test clearly proved that. Like, Sabonis is doing what he is supposed to do. You are the better center. This is a young up-and-coming center that maybe has more upside to be more of a star than you are. I have no idea what Chet is going to turn into. But DeMontis Sabonis right now is absolutely the better player, and he plays like it. Now, he also seems to dominate matchups where he's playing younger or undersized centers versus like a Zubats or kind of these big, beefy centers that kind of just get in your way. So I'm glad Sabonis is continuing that trend by handling Chet the way that he did tonight. 
But this is exactly what you... That doesn't mean we shouldn't give Sabonis credit by doing what he... It's what he's supposed to be doing. Well, good. Still praise him for the work that he's supposed to be doing, especially when he's criticized on nights that he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing and even sometimes is criticized for doing the things that he's supposed to be doing but just not doing it in a flashy way. After the game tonight, I asked De'Aaron Fox about Sabonis and his input and how he continues to put up these big stat lines on nights where other guys are shining and getting the attention. Here's what Fox had to say about that. De'Aaron Domas seems to have a, a tendency in, in games like this to put up a massive stat line while some of his teammates are, or a lot of his teammates are thriving as well. For him to have these two games against Chet, who's one of the gr uh, great up-and-coming centers in this league, and for him to make the stamp on the game the way that he does, can you speak a little bit just to the, what he provides? I think, uh, I think we take for granted a little bit what he does. I think being able to get 18, 14, and 7, I don't know how many times he's done it, but I'm pretty sure he's done it a good amount of times. Um, <laughs> that's, not, that's not a normal game. Uh, and just the way that he's been better defensively this year for us, being able to put his chest in front of the ball, uh, going vertical, just being able to change shots, I think has been big for us. Obviously, he's still um, the focal point of a lot of our offense, and um, that's, that's not an easy thing to do, especially at the center position. Um, there aren't many guys in the league, especially at that position, that do it. And you, know, you see the guys that do it, and they're MVPs. So um, it's just a testament to the work that he puts in, how much pressure we put on him. And he doesn't waver. Like you said, this is one of the one of the better. I mean, he's a rookie this year, but uh, going to be one of the better players in the league real, real soon. And um, Domas comes out and he does what he does. I think I've figured the Kings out a little bit, and this is not some amazing revelation that's going to blow your mind. You're probably going to hear this, and at the end of it, go, "Okay, yeah, duh, Matt." But. I started to think about it this way because this Kings team is so up and down, right? They've done a really good job of responding uh, so far this season after bad losses. I'll get into that uh, in the next segment. But to me, this Kings team has a very established, let's just call them for all you superhero nerds out there, let's just call them their Fantastic Four, right? It's De'Aaron Fox that's absolutely at the top, DeMondis Sabonis that's number two, Malik Monk who's number three, although you could argue Malik has been number two for the Kings this season with how great he has been off of the bench, and then number four is Keegan Murray. That is the Sacramento top four. If the Kings, the, the Kings in order to win mean, minimum need to get two of those four guys playing well. If the Kings have three of those four guys playing well, they're more than likely going to win. If all four of those guys are playing well, then the Kings are unstoppable or look to be unstoppable, right? And those other guys, the Keon Ellis's, the Harrison Barnes, the uh, 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 Kevin Herter, who's always capable of going off, the Trey Lyles, the Sasha Vizenkov, all these other pieces that support them are capable of having big nights too, and that's just icing on the cupcake, right? If Keon's dropping 17 points, you damn well better be winning, and especially if it's not 17 garbage time points at the end of a blowout. Like, if if, if Kevin Herter is knocking down 40-plus percent from three-point range, you damn well better be in a position to win a game. But typically, like, what we've seen from this Kings team is when four, three out of the four or all four are having just average games or fine games... That's when the Kings are, are, are getting their butt kicked, and that's why the Kings are, are losing by a margin of, of, of 15 points per game when they are losing in their nine losses so far this season. But to me, it, it, it's those four that are, are, are you're going to go as they go, right? And if, again, two of the four of them are playing well, you have a chance to win. Three out of the four, you're probably going to win. Four out of the four, I'd argue that there's not really 
a team. There aren't too many teams that can that can really beat them. And tonight, you had three out of the four that were really shining, plus you add Keon Ellis on top of that uh, with what he did, kind of replaces Keegan, who had a decent night with, I think, 15 points. But you get three out of the four playing the way that Sabonis, Fox, and Monk were playing tonight. Sure, the Thunder were sticking around and had a chance to win this game and steal it late because of Shea Gilgis-Alexander and his unbelievable play. But overall, when the Kings are getting that output out of the three of their four top guys, more often than not, there's a beam lit in the Sacramento sky. Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Game Time. This is the app that you should be using to buy all of your tickets, whether you're buying tickets to come here to the Golden One Center to watch the Kings play at any point during the remainder of this six-game homestand and the remainder of the season. Game Time, of course, has your Kings tickets available for you, uh, whether you're buying tickets to any sporting event, a concert, a comedy show, a theatrical production. Game Time has the events that you are looking for and has the best deals out there. Game Time actually rewards you for buying last minute tickets. They have unbelievable flash deals that can help you get in the building to watch what you want to watch for 20, 30, 40, sometimes 50% or more less than what that ticket is actually worth at the end. Those flash deals cannot be beat. You can see the view from your seat. It's especially helpful if you're going to a Kings game and want to know what your view is like for the court. Or if you're going to like a, a, a concert in a massive stadium like Taylor Swift at Levi Stadium and you want to know what the stage is going to look like from where you are at and make sure there's not a dumb pole or something in your way, right? That's where, uh, that's where game time gives you the most accurate view that you're going to get from any of these ticket market places. Their deals are unbelievable and they have zone deals as well. Uh, you're, what you see, the price that's up front is the price that you're going to pay. There's no hidden fees or anything like that. So go and download the game time app, create an account and use promo code locked on NBA spelled L O C K E D O N N B A all one word for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's promo code locked on NBA for $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So a couple things before we wrap up and this first topic might be a little concerning to you. The timing might be weird, and I, I promise you I don't mean this in a negative way by any means. This is a follow-up to what I said after, I think it was my most recent podcast, after the Clipper loss, which was talking about the Kings' approach to the trade deadline. I'm pretty confident that the move to fix Sacramento's major problems, which is their wing depth, is probably not going to happen. They added Juan Toscano-Anderson uh, uh, today, which is uh, a, an interesting pickup, and we'll go into that later on as soon as it's confirmed and everything, and he has a history uh, with um, with uh, Mike Brown. So we'll, we'll get into all of that uh, at a different time. I don't think that's going to be a major pickup, but it's more wing depth for the Sacramento Kings. But I said that I just don't think that the Kings are, are, are going to make a trade that really addresses one of the major issues, if not the biggest issue with this Kings team this year. I just don't see it because I think, or I thought, that Harrison Barnes and Davion Mitchell were your most likely trade assets. You're not trading Keegan Murray more often than not. At least I, I believe the Sacramento Kings will not. But then I started thinking about it. And I'm not saying, I'm going to make it very, 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 very clear. I am not saying that I want the Sacramento Kings to trade Kevin Herter. Not at all. I think Kevin Herter, especially when he's not just shooting the ball well, which he's back in a little bit of a slump, but when he's also grabbing rebounds and playing solid defense like he's been doing at times this season, I think he is close to the perfect starting two guard that you could have with this group within reason. There's other better stars out there, but I, like 
realistically, you're probably not going to get those. Kevin Herter might be, if the Kings are truly trying to make a move right now or at this trade deadline, Kevin Herter might be the most likely piece they move on from. Because I think Kevin has more value than maybe Harrison and Davion combined. Kevin Herter is on a incredibly valuable and team-friendly contract, and he's under control for the next handful of seasons. There are teams... I mean, you, shooting is always at a premium. You can never have enough shooting, and even if Kevin Herter is slumping, he is still, on average, a 40% three-point shooter, someone who is extremely valuable with his perimeter shooting in this league. Teams will be interested in acquiring Kevin Herter for sure. Plus, because you have Malik Monk, and maybe Keon Ellis to some extent, but you definitely have Malik Monk, who's already here, that you can easily plug into the starting two spot if you were to move on from Kevin and go and get someone to take that starting three spot and fill that wing depth and maybe replace Harrison and move him to the bench or maybe you're packaging Kevin and and Harrison together. I have no idea what that deal looks like. Maybe that's what they're trying to do. No clue, right? But Kevin might truly be the sweetest piece that the Kings will be willing to offer up in trade negotiations. I'm not saying they will. I'm not saying they should. But that might be something to consider that, to this point, I hadn't really considered that much. So what do you think about that? The idea of the Kings moving Kevin Herter in a deal to improve. As of right now, I think I'd still rather ride out with Kevin because I just don't think you're going to get what you're looking for for Kevin and Davion or Kevin and draft compensation. But I could be wrong. I don't know the market. Hit me up at Sack on Twitter. Email me, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. Or you can, uh, of course comment on YouTube in the comment section down below if you are watching um, right now. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is give credit to the Sacramento Kings for how well they've been able to bounce back, typically after bad losses. The Kings had that overtime win in Portland after that second bad Houston loss. That was the start of their six-game winning streak. I talked about that a little bit earlier when Keon Ellis got his opportunity. The Kings did a good job bouncing back with a win in Minnesota, giving the Timberwolves their first home loss of the season. It might still be their only home loss of the season, and the Wolves are the top team in the West right now, or one of the top teams in the West right now. They bounced back with that after their loss, uh, their, their second street loss to the New Orleans Pelicans. They bounced back and defeated the Denver Nuggets. Defending champions here in this building after losing to the L.A. Clippers on the second night of a back-to-back. And then tonight, bouncing back, beating the Oklahoma City Thunder for the second time this season. One of the top teams in the West right now, a team that's playing extremely well. They go and, and beat them after another tough loss at the hands of the Clippers on Tuesday. So this is what you want to see. You want to see this Kings team bounce back. Hopefully it doesn't take blowout losses time and time again to wake this team up. Hopefully they're figuring that out, and that's in the past, and they're putting that behind them. But it's good to see that this Kings team is capable of responding, and more often than not, going even back to last season, they are responding. Great win for the Sacramento Kings. Fifth or 14 and nine now on the season, still incredible start despite the ups and downs and the the lows that are sometimes very concerning to myself and and all of you Kings fans out there. And speaking of Kings fans, met so many of you tonight at the uh, the Golden One Center. Hey, shout out to my guy Damian who came up uh, and sa- said hi to me and had such kind words. Damian, I appreciate you so much, my man. Thank you for your support. I can't wait to have more conversations with you and and Kings fans uh, as the season goes on. If you're coming to any game during this homestand, I'll be at every single one. So let me know. Come by, say hi. We'll get together and we'll chat whether it's during halftime or before the game or maybe a little bit after if I have time and not doing my TV duties. But I appreciate your support so much. Thank you for listening to the Locked on Kings podcast as always. Until next time, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.